Yo, when you said critical thought, Critical thought, critical mind Think to yourself in critical times M5M trying to wash your mind And you know they lying Critical thought, critical mind Think to yourself in critical times M5M trying to wash your mind And you know they lying Greetings and welcome to the Critical Thought Podcast Where I give you my unsolicited narrative on the mainstream media And try to read between the lines Warning if you have an enlarged amygdala, proceed with caution. Greetings and welcome to the first episode of the Critical Thought Podcast. Let's jump into how organizations like the World Economic Forum and the UN and other nutbags want to convince us that eating bugs are a good idea. So... This is a report from the BBC, and um, just listen. I'm in the biggest cricket farm in Italy, perched by the Alps near Turin. Here, they turn about one million crickets into food every day. First, the crickets, still alive, are frozen, then boiled, dried, and then pulverized into extremely fine bits. Yum, cricket powder. And this is the final result. A light brown cricket-based flour that can be added to food, like pasta, bread, or pancakes. Cricket pancakes. And it's good for the planet. Insects require a fraction of the land. And it's good for the planet. So right here, you see what they're getting at. You, you can see the agenda here. They're trying to tell you that cricket powder is going to save the planet because it's... um more economical and it won't cause climate change and it's not gonna pro um it's not gonna promote global warming so just listen to what they're telling you and you figure it out for yourself because to me it sounds a lot like these people are trying to say that we should be eating bugs two years ago two years ago even one year ago maybe six months ago if i had said this to some people the average person would have been like you're talking rubbish. Nobody's trying to get us to eat bugs. And this is the final result. A light brown cricket-based flour that can be added to food, like pasta, bread, or pancakes. And it's good for the planet. Insects require a fraction of the land and water that is used to produce meat. Mm -hmm. There is one problem. It's very expensive. So here comes... Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. So here's the reverse psychology now, right? It's a luxury product. So the average pleb isn't going to be able to have access to cricket protein. This is how they're going to sell it to you initially. Oh, it's luxury. It's so expensive. You can't afford cricket protein. And then eventually, you'll be able to get your hands on it because it's going to replace all the meat in the grocery stores. No more fish. No more beef because cows and cow farts are killing the planet. Cricket protein for the win. For example, one bag of pasta can cost up to 80 euros. That means that insect food is a niche option. And there is another obstacle. A niche. Social acceptance. The thought of eating insects is unappetizing for many Europeans. And rightfully so. The thought of eating insects is unappetizing. 
You're not going to take too long for the M5M to change their minds of a lot of people about eating bugs, though. I mean, in all honesty, the same people that were rushing to take the COVID shots and all the boosters are probably going to be the first people to jump on the cricket bug um, bandwagon and try to convince everybody else that you should be eating crickets. The World Economic Forum and the UN will ensure that in the next five years, we'll have bug meat. Eh, I guess you can't even call it meat. They'll find a way to get bugs in our food. And if you don't believe me, we're going to listen to a clip about um, the USDA approving lab-grown meat. So this is a little bit of a different twist. So if it's not bugs, then it's artificial meat. And don't get it twisted and think that, oh yeah, all the vegans out there that are going to say, oh, this is good for the environment and we're saving animals. And look, listen, if you don't want to eat meat, that's fine. But lab meat is not the way. Just listen to this. This morning, the USDA, for the first time, has approved lab-grown meat to be sold to the public. So that's where it all starts, just a few cells. Two cultivated meat producers now getting the green light to begin commercially selling their chicken products. Lab-grown meat is... Chicken products. ...created using cells from living animals, such as fertilized eggs, which is then incubated and grown into large masses of meat in these stainless steel bioreactors. ABC's Devin Dwyer recently got a tour of California-based Upside Foods, where meat is cultivated. You're making chicken in there. Yeah, so if you look at this, this is a approximately a 200-plus liter tank. A big vat. We take cells from a chicken or an egg. It takes two weeks to grow the equivalent of one chicken. A thousand chickens or a hundred thousand chickens. So you're saying in this factory you can make more meat faster and cleaner than an average farmer? Well, ultimately, yes. The company says lab-grown meat could be instrumental in helping feed the world's growing population as meat demand rises, while using a fraction of the land and water of animal farming, helping to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Critic. So we'll come back to climate change again. Everything is hinging on climate change. You notice the trend? argue it's no silver bullet with the potential for major socioeconomic implications and questions about how the meat is labeled many experts say more study is needed more research and just caution i i think that a lot of companies are going to use or present the best case scenarios as for how the lab grown chicken tastes all right my first bite of cultivated meat guess what it tastes like it's chicken uh-huh of course it tastes like chicken but listen let me find another clip that's going to kind of explain to you how the process actually takes place. How does this meat go from cell or this whatever it is goes from cell to quote unquote meat? So I'm going to tell you what I just found out about lab grown meat and I can assure you, you are going to be disgusted. The source of this meat, they need fast growing cells, replicating cells, just like when you have a farm that makes fruit from a tree. You don't want to plant a new tree every week. You want a tree that gives you a lot of fruit. And this is what they're trying to do with meat. And so what do they find? Well, there's something called an immortalized cell, also known as a HeLa cell. HeLa after Henrietta Lacks, who sometime in the 1950s had cervical cancer and they removed her cancer cells, put them in a Petri dish to see how long... Can you see where this is going? Can you see where this is going? 
sister, Henrietta Lacks, who sometime in the 1950s had cervical cancer, and they removed her cancer cells, put them in a Petri dish to see how long would they continue replicating, and they're still replicating today. So if you've already started to read in between the lines, you may guess where I'm going with this, that they realized the best source for fast replicating cells to make lab-grown meat that you're going to eat are cancer pre-cancer cells. These that means taking cancerous and pre cells, literally, putting them as the base and having those replicate to continue at the fastest possible pace, produce the meat that you're going to eat. So you're eating a vat full of meat made from fast-growing cells, aka cancerous or pre-cancerous cells. You don't think this is going to cause some kind of an issue down the line? This is okay. Everybody's alright with this. I mean, if the FDA said it's okay, then it must be okay, right? Because the FDA has everybody's best interest at heart. It's not about money with the FDA. Never. So I want to address um, the whole Sound of Freedom, the movie that is out now with, um, I believe the guy's name is Jim Caviezel. And I think he was the guy that um, starred in the Passion of Christ movie that um, Mel Gibson was responsible for some years back. Anyways, so this movie is coming out and it's, um, it's speaking to uh, human trafficking, more specifically um, child trafficking. Um, and it's getting a lot of pushback from the mainstream media. Mainstream media is trying to paint this as some kind of QAnon conspiracy theorist type of um, movie and like it's not to be taken seriously. And it just made me wonder like with an issue that is as, as sick as child trafficking, why would mainstream media push back this hard? Why would mainstream media try so hard to discredit the movie and try to you know steal the thunder from a movie that is bringing shining light on a, a topic that i think everybody should be concerned with everybody with kids should definitely be concerned with it but even if you don't have kids child trafficking is not something that should be taken lightly i don't think it's something that you should just want to like brush aside so anyways let's let's listen to this cnn interview and see what these what the mainstream media is saying about the sound of music or the sound of freedom rather seem pretty familiar with him because he doesn't really hide his association with this real wild plot uh that that involves you know drinking the blood of children and things like that no he doesn't hide it at all the first thing they do is is kind of hit you with this oh drinking the blood of children nobody i'm pretty sure i haven't seen the movie myself but I'm pretty sure that they're not talking about drinking blood in this movie or drinking children's blood. That's a conversation for another day because adrenochrome is a real thing. You can, you can Google it and you can find a chemical compound that is adrenochrome and they tell you exactly what it is. It's a real thing. But I'm sure that's not the main topic of the movie. So I don't know why she's even talking about drinking kids' blood here. Why is that even a, a topic? heard of it they're just asking questions with somebody like jim caviezel he is openly embracing it he's openly using its catchphrases and its concepts he's speaking at QAnon conventions and this film is being marketed to either specific QAnon believers or to people who believe all of the same tenets as QAnon but claim they don't know what it is and the sound of freedom does focus on a real issue of sex trafficking uh, but that theme 
it, it's sort of like that kernel of truth that feeds the QAnon conspiracy theory. Uh, tell us how those two things work together. Sure. And the most durable and the most believable conspiracy theories are not entirely false. There's something in them that is true and the rest of it is false. But so the believers point these to people cannot bring themselves to just admit to the fact that there is a serious problem with um, child trafficking, right? Like, yeah, it's it's a problem, but, you know, these guys are kind of somehow they're compelling the QAnon crowd and they're 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 marketing to QAnon and like they just they cannot bring themselves to say, oh, this is a serious problem that deserves some serious intervention for whatever reason. They just can't bring themselves to say that do the one true thing and they say, oh, you don't believe that this particular thing is true in terms of child trafficking. We know trafficking is real. We know it has real victims. No one is denying that. But these films are created out of moral panics. They're created out of bogus statistics. They're created out of fear. And with something like Sound of Freedom, it's specific. OK, it, as far as I know, it's not bogus statistics. I'm pretty sure the guy that is responsible for um, who the story is based on I think this guy worked for Homeland Security or something like that. This dude did his research. This is government statistics that they were using when they were doing the research for this movie. So it's, it's real numbers, real statistics is looking at QAnon concepts of these child trafficking rings that are run by the high-level elites and only people like Tim Ballard and only people like Jim Caviezel and by extension, only people like the ticket buyer can help bring these trafficking rings down. So there's a very participatory element. You're not just going to see a movie, you're just killing two hours on a hot day. You are helping bring down these, these pedophile rings and save children. Now, it's not true, but it's a very comforting and it's a very warm feeling to have. So he's basically saying that the people that they're marketing this to, the people that buy tickets to go and see this movie, the people that are marketing the movie are trying to make them feel like by buying a ticket to go see Sound of Freedom, you're doing something to help stop trafficking of children. Whether that is true or not, even if you're not doing anything to stop the trafficking of children by buying a ticket to go see this movie, that's neither here nor there. You should want to be aware of the fact that this shit's taking place and you should want to do something after you've seen the movie. It should, it should instill in you some kind of motivation or drive to do something to potentially curb this activity, to at least bring it to light and make more people aware of the fact that this is happening. So... This is something else that I want to bring to the attention of people now. So there have been people that have gone to see this movie and there have been a lot of strange occurrences. Strange, huh? for lack of a better word. That's an understatement. Things that have been happening to people that have been going to see these movies. So let me just find a clip and we'll dive into that one real quick. All right, so I believe this is um the person that's responsible for the libs of TikTok um page so she went to go watch the movie and this is her report of what happened when she went to go see the movie hi everyone so last night i went to watch the sound of freedom movie um and it's very interesting because cnn and rolling stone and washington post and the guardian 
they were all publishing articles about how the movie is like related to QAnon and conspiracy theories. So that alone told me that this is something that um, they don't want you to watch, which is why you should definitely go watch it. Um, additionally, I also saw some reporting of people who were saying that weird things were happening when they were trying to go see it in theaters. Um, like the air conditioning wasn't working or their tickets were canceled. Um, and when I went a couple minutes into the movie, the fire alarm went off, the entire building had to evacuate. And about 15, 20 minutes later, it was resolved and we were able to go back in and resume the movie. But it was, we were missing half the audience now. So there is a concerted effort, it sounds like, to to try to discourage people from watching this movie. So you, even if you buy tickets to go see the movie, it seems like there's all kind of weirdness going on. So when you do get into actually see the movie, they try everything in their power to discourage you from watching the movie. Why? That's a question I have to ask, you know, why? With a topic like child trafficking, like seriously, all right, just just keep listening. Um, but I did stay until the end, and the movie is excellent. It was educational and inspiring and eye-opening. Um, I was not even aware of the extent of the child sex trafficking industry until I watched this. Um, the U.S. is in the top three countries um, for destinations for child sex trafficking victims. Um, it's a $150 billion a year industry. And $150 billion a year industry. There are millions, tens of millions of children who are currently trapped in sex slavery. Um, so it is, it's heart-wrenching. Um, there were people in the audience who were moved to tears and really inspiring too, because at the end, I know for myself, I left and I was like, what can I do to help raise awareness about this? What can I do to help these children? Um, so I'm passing on the message. I hope you do too. Go see the movie. It's a and, must watch. Bring your family. And that should be the, and I don't know if you should bring your family because this sounds like some heavy, heavy stuff. So maybe you don't want to bring your family, but the ultimate, the ultimate goal here is to spread awareness. You want people to know that this sick shit is happening and you want people to be aware and you want people to to the people that have the means to you want them to to find a way to address the situation do something about the situation not just sweep it under the rug which is seems like what mainstream media is trying to do so i'm just gonna play like a two maybe a three minute clip of tim ballard and this is the real life agent who the movie's about and this is kind of a little bit of um why he did what he did and turned in his badge and gave up his job to go ahead and kind of like really pursue this you know what i mean so that's a little bit of background so i worked for 12 years as a special agent and undercover undercover operator for the department of homeland security their the investigative division called homeland security investigations 10 of those years were spent on the border uh tracking child traffickers uh people who would exploit children with child exploitation material. So I really learned a lot. In 2006, the laws changed in the United States. And for the first time, U.S. agents were permitted and encouraged to go overseas and find children who Americans were abusing. And we could now hold those Americans accountable as if they had committed that crime on U.S. soil. 
that's, that's what really changed my life because I started, I speak Spanish fluently and they sent me overseas, south of the border. That's when my eyes opened up and I started seeing the children that I used to only see mostly on the, on the pornography, on the, on the child exploitation material cases. Um, but it was tormenting me, uh, the U.S. government unwittingly was, because if I couldn't find that connection back to the United States, the American kid or the American pedophile, I had to come home. Problem is, I've, I've already been exposed to the children. I've already been exposed to the problem and oftentimes have made myself the bait. And in 2012, I had enough on this case. I kind of went more, I went further than otherwise I probably should have. Uh, the movie didn't have time to tell you that there was another case in Haiti at the same time that I was working, uh, thinking there was a U.S. nexus. And I was told in both instances to come home and you couldn't work these cases. Uh, and that's when I had a very consequential conversation with my wife. And I said, if I stay here, if I do this operation with or without my badge, it doesn't matter at this point, I, I'm, I, I can do the work. Uh, we will save kids. There's a documentary that's going to follow uh, in, in the wake of Sound of Freedom called Triple Take. Angel Studios will put it out, uh, documenting the entire story. And so in the end, it was successful, and we were able to build upon that success. And I founded Operation Underground Railroad. I run um, an, another foundation that was founded by Glenn Beck called the Nazarene Fund. And we're doing these kind of operations all over the world today. No. Based on what I just heard, this doesn't seem like a conspiracy theory to me. Again, I haven't watched the film as yet. I will watch the film. I urge everybody to watch it and make your own decision. Come to your own conclusion. Don't just trust mainstream media's um, perspective and point of view that this is some kind of QAnon conspiracy theory movie. Go see the film and then do what you can. Alright, so let's let's lighten the mood a little bit here now. Let's let's talk about some climate change, as um the mainstream media like to call it. You know what I mean? And we're just gonna take a look on the, the lens that M5M will go to to kinda give you a shock and awe and scare you into believing that something is way more than it seems to be. I have a couple of clips on that, but let's just do a little lead up into those clips and um let me introduce you to Dr. John Clauser, who is a co-winner of the 2022 Nobel Physics Prize and one of the world's leading authorities on quantum mechanics and the study of matter and light at a subatomic and atomic level. He's calling the climate emergency a dangerous corruption of science that threatens the world's economic that threatens the world's economy, sorry, and the well-being of billions of people. He says, in quotes, in my opinion, there is no real climate crisis. There is, however, a very real problem with providing a decent standard of living to the world's largest population and an associated emergency crisis or associated energy crisis. The latter is being unnecessarily exacerbated by what, in my opinion, is incorrect climate science. He's also been quoted as saying that Misguided climate science has masticized into massive shock journalistic pseudoscience. Alright, so we just heard a couple of quotes from a Nobel Prize winning physicist. And now we're going to hear from, I believe this lady's name is Dr. Kate Calvin. Um, I'm excited to be able to ask you some of these questions that I think a lot of people are wondering this week in particular. Um, why 
is the weather so extreme? Can you explain that for non-scientists? Yeah, so climate change is driving increases in temperature overall. We also have natural cycles that affect temperature, and so the one you're hearing the most about in the news is El Nino or La Nina. So I want you to pay attention to what she's saying here. She's saying climate change is causing a lot of drastic stuff, but there's also natural cycles. So I want you to pay attention to if this lady is going to say that natural cycles are causing the issue or if global warming is causing the issue or climate change, quote unquote, is causing the issue. So El Nino years tend to be warmer than La Nina. Uh, 2022 was a La Nina year. It was actually the, the warmest La Nina year we've ever had. And it was tied for fifth warmest overall. We're now moving into El Nino. So the combination of climate change and El Nino means we're seeing higher global temperatures. And that brings with it impacts all around the world to people, ecosystems, extreme events, and other um, changes that are, that, were, that are impacting communities. So it sounds to me like she's saying that El Nino and La Nina, these natural weather patterns that have been going on for hundreds of years, are causing the changes in climate. That kind of sounds like what she's saying. Now, let's find out from this NASA scientist how this is affecting the temperature on Earth and ocean temperatures and what might be the result of this. So uh, ocean temperatures are rising. As I understand it, and that factors into this. Can you explain how? So oceans absorb a lot of heat, and so we are seeing um, increases in ocean temperature. Um, when we identify El Nino, it's based on ocean temperatures in a particular part of the Pacific. But the thing to keep in mind is, you know, oceans are actually, land is warming faster than oceans. So the places where we live are warming faster than the ocean. So while we are seeing these increases in ocean temperatures, we're also seeing increases in temperature over land. So ocean absorbs, the oceans absorb most of the heat, but the land seems to be warming quicker than the oceans. All right, got it. So NASA has been doing these reports where you're, you're crunching some of the data to understand how to plan going forward. Um, I was looking at one of them. It says there's going to be severe turbulence with airlines over large regions of the northern hemisphere. Are we already seeing that? And why would that happen? So we are experiencing impacts of climate change everywhere around the world right now. There's different impacts in different regions. I think what's important to keep in mind is that climate change is more than just temperature. It's also affecting things like the water cycle. So we're seeing more heavy precipitation events, more droughts. We're seeing increases in extreme events like storms. And we can see those and those impact uh, how we travel, uh, human health, agriculture, and all aspects of our lives. So... She touched on turbulence in that, that little spit that she did a while ago, right? And it would make sense that she would touch on turbulence because for people to really care about quote-unquote climate change, it has to affect the layperson in a substantial way. It can't just be, oh, it's getting hotter by 0.5 of a degree. That, the, the average person don't care about that. But air travel and more turbulence, that will kind of draw some attention to the average person being like, oh my God, we have to pay attention to climate change is getting out of control. With the planes, it, how certain are you that this will happen or is it already happening? So there's studies that indicate that you can see increases in turbulence linked to climate change. Um, and NASA, some of what we do around aircraft, we have a large aeronautics research team, but we're looking, we look a lot at how um, transportation affects climate. So not just climate affecting transportation. Hold on, hold on. The anchor asked her if she's 100% sure that climate change is going to cause more turbulence and affect air travel. 
and I don't think she answered the question. With the planes, how certain are you that this will happen or is it already happening? So there's studies that indicate that you can see increases in turbulence linked to climate change. Um, and NASA, some of what we do around aircraft, we have a large aeronautics research team, but we're looking, we look a lot at how um, transportation affects climate. So not just climate affecting transportation, but also how it affects it. And so we do a lot of research into making planes more efficient so they use less energy and generate less emissions and contribute less to warming in the future. So she didn't answer the question. She didn't say for sure that climate change is going to cause more turbulence and going to cause or have a negative impact on air travel. Instead, what she did was she flipped it and she said they're working on making sure that planes produce less emissions and use less gas. Let's just let's just skip straight to the fear mongering. How about that? What should we really be afraid of when it comes to climate change, Dr. Kate? NASA also put out a report in May that says climate change is contributing to a rise in Lyme disease, possibly. Um, what? Mosquito-borne illnesses as well. Seasonal allergies are getting worse. I know plenty of people who are complaining about their allergies these past few weeks. What else? My eyes were watering. Um, how concerned do people need to be? How concerned? So there are a lot of effects of climate change on health. Um, so uh, in terms of on mosquitoes health. and other uh, okay. uh, diseases that are carried by um, insects, what the climate what climate change can do is change where the, the geographic extent of those species. So, uh -huh. you know, mosquitoes need hot conditions. They need water to breed. And so what climate change can, can do is change that extent so that we see um, in places where you have malaria, it could shift more uh, northern latitudes or higher altitudes. But there's other effects of climate change. You mentioned pollen. One of the things that we saw here in the northeast of the U.S. recently was about wildfire smoke. So there were wildfires burning in Canada, and the smoke from that came into the U.S. and led to air quality concerns all across the northeastern U.S. And all right, all right, let's just stop that clip there. So this is, this is what I'm talking about. They have to find a way to touch a nerve. They need to elicit some kind of response from the average person. So the, the, the climate warming by 0.5 degree, that's not enough, right? So what they have to do is say, okay, guess what? It's going to affect air travel. We're going to experience more turbulence. People that fly in airplanes all the time probably won't be worried about that because they've been experiencing turbulence forever. When you fly in planes, it's just it's a part of what happens. It's turbulence. So let's take it one step further. There's going to be an increase in Lyme disease and, and, and all kinds of mosquito-borne illnesses, right? So that should really get your attention. But if that wasn't enough, what's next? What could be the actual tipping point to get the average person to pay attention to climate change? Now, this is going to sound like something out of a sci-fi movie. Some of it sounds like a science fiction movie in terms of fear. There's something in here about frozen Arctic soils unleashing ancient microorganisms. What? Has that happened yet? <laughs> so, uh, you know, in the far north um, of, the, of, the, of the world. The no, 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 no. Answer the question. Has it happened yet? We'll store a lot of carbon and, um, and there's methane underground. And so as that thaws, scientists are... are expect that you would see some more emissions associated with it um, so that as you warm you couldn't trigger more emissions um, and that's what's driving the warming that we're seeing and you're going to continue to make this publicly available all of our data is publicly available and we continue to add to it so we are uh, able to observe more about the planet and help people better pre prepare for the future all right well thank you thank you for breaking it down for us non-scientists appreciate it all right so i listened to that and i don't hear 
Dr. Kate answered one question that was asked of her. She spoke in a whole lot of circles and tried to convince everybody that climate change was going to cause everything from the warming of the seas to the warming of the land to more turbulence when you fly to more mosquito-borne illnesses, maybe even frozen microorganisms in the Arctic being released. But she didn't answer one question. So... You be the judge. You tell me what you think the climate change agenda is about. Now, I think everybody that's listening to this podcast can agree that the legacy media is, in many ways, insane. I mean, it's just pure insanity when you sit down and look on the stuff that comes on your 5 o'clock news or your 8 o'clock news or whatever time it is that you watch your news. I don't even really watch news, so I don't know. But... There's definitely a lot of mental illness going on out there and there are a lot of mentally ill people and I think, um, well, just listen to this next story. I've always wanted to be able to lactate and today my doctor, after my EKG results, said that he's feeling confident enough to start me on this medication, Reglan, and it has some serious side effects, but I'm only going to be taking it for two weeks up to three weeks possible um so within two weeks i should be lactating the rest is on me i'm gonna have to pump and keep a supply this is the tough all right i don't know if you really understand what's going on here or if you're even listening to this fella so we're gonna start the story again from the top this is a male a biological man that wants to become a woman and he wants to lactate he desperately wants to lactate now i don't know how biological females feel about this kind of movement and feel about the transgender men transgender women transgender women men that want to be women and take the place of biological women if i was a woman i would be pissed and i would be speaking up about this the feminist movement talk really loud you know what i mean in a whole lot of other cases when it was me too time the feminists were out there and they were out in droves and i don't hear any feminists talking about this and it's 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 upsetting it's a little bit upsetting that the feminists are okay that women biological women are okay with this type of thing happening i've always wanted to be able to lactate and today my doctor after my ekg results said that she's feeling confident enough to start me on this medication and it has some serious side effects but i'm only going to be taking it for two weeks up to three weeks possible um so within two weeks i should be lactating the rest is on me i'm gonna have to pump and keep a supply this is the tough part i have one pump i need two pumps who gives a fuck about your one pump bro like you have one pump go buy another pump why is this even something that people need to hear about period i'm gonna have to pump and keep a supply this is the tough part i have one pump i need two pumps and i'm the, the amount of lactation the amount of pumping that i have to do to lactate is gonna require a better pump than what i got i mean i have electric pump but I need the two of them, and I need them where they're more compact. And I'm going to start a GoFundMe. Yo. I need some help. Um, 
You really need some help to All cure right, your mental like illness. Ones, they want to donate? Please, put it in the comment. <laughs> I need a good one. So, these people are clearly looking for attention. This is some dude on TikTok that is begging for attention. He wants to lactate. And he decides that he's going to start a GoFundMe so that people can give him money to get a good pump to lactate so he can pump breast milk. Like, this is the epitome of mental illness. And a lot of the transgender stuff that's going on now, mental illness is at the root of it. And I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm saying this seriously. Mental illness is at the root of a lot of this the first trans woman to have a successful uterus transplant, ovaries and eggs included. And I want to be the first trans woman to have an abortion. Now, there are going to be some people that are pissed off. And if you're pissed off, then this is not the podcast for you. This is the first and last episode that you should listen to. But when I said a mental illness is definitely at the root of a lot of this, this is a prime example. Here we have a man that says he wants to become a woman primarily so that he can have an abortion. Under what circumstance do we consider this kind of behavior normal? These people should be admitted. The first trans woman to have a successful uterus transplant, ovaries and eggs included. And I want to be the first trans woman to have an abortion. I will let a doctor who has successfully transplanted a uterine complex before cut the organs out of a willing, healthy, transmasculine donor, place them in my body. I will devote myself, heart and soul, to their aftercare. I will... So this guy should just go meet up with the other guy that want to pump and just like... I don't even know how that works. It's mind-bending to me. Have as much gay sex as it takes <laughs> with as many trans women as it takes. Oh my God. And let the transphobes and homophobes scratch their heads wondering what to make of it. I don't think you know what to and make of I it. And I want to be the first trans woman to have an abortion. An abortion. Oh boy. This is insanity. And we'll have to draw the line somewhere. This type of shit, we can't allow this to get out into the wild. You know what I mean? We can't allow people to normalize this type of behavior and this type of thinking. This is a threat to humanity. You know what I mean? Like, for real. Just think about this for a second. This is an absolute threat to humanity. There is, There will be no more procreation if this kind of thing continues. No more natural procreation, but then... That's what the powers that be want. There is no need for natural procreation when you can grow a baby in a tube. You know what I mean? And you can control exactly how many children are born at any given time on the face of this planet. Now, I don't agree with, um, necessarily agree with Darwin's theory of evolution. You know, I believe that evolution takes place, sure, over a very long period of time in certain species. I'm not really sure there's a very clear-cut example of evolution in the human species. But I do believe in natural selection. And 
confused adults, like really, really deeply confused and mentally troubled adults should not be allowed to raise children. Just listen to this. If you're doing gender neutral parenting, gender creative parenting, what do you do when your kid is old enough to ask, hey, am I a boy or a girl? You and me already talked about this in the comments, but I thought it might make an interesting video because there's probably a lot of people with this question. You see, and this is the problem I have, you know, this is the issue I have with the whole transgender stuff. When they try to inveigle and indoctrinate the children into this mindset, children are impressionable. Children don't know what they want to be from day to day. They're children. They have no real grasp on reality they think anything is possible and then when you have parents placating to this kind of behavior and promoting this kind of behavior it's a problem these are children that grow up to be confused you don't even need to be doing this parenting method to want to have sort of a more open-minded way to answer that kind of a question from your kid and my answer here is actually pretty simple i would just turn it back into a question this is what you think parenting is about say, well how like a boy or girl or maybe something else how do you think we might figure that out together are you asking about how do you look on the outside or are you asking about how you feel on the inside maybe we should go read a book about this together i have some ideas you want to go sit down and take a look maybe i would share how i know my gender identity it's a question that gives you an opportunity to have a conversation and that's a beautiful thing yeah so again i just i don't care about the choices that consenting adults make. I don't care what you want to identify as an adult. You do what you feel you need to do to make you happy. The one thing you're not going to do is force me to partake in your mental illness. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to be a part of that. And then what the advocates of this kind of thinking will do is they'll, they'll try to set a trap for you and say, well, if you're not for transgender people swinging their junk in front of your kid in a preschool, then that means you're not for equity and diversity. I'm not for sexualization of children. That's what I'm not for. If you choose to chop your, your genitalia off, that's up to you. I don't have to accept that. I don't have to partake in that. That's your choice. And I mean, realistically, the truth of the matter is most rational, lesbian, gay, or bisexual people, they don't promote this kind of behavior. They don't even want to be lumped in with these people. You know what I mean? They're trying their hardest to separate themselves from this kind of movement. And I think that's where I'll end my um, rant on the whole transgender thing for today. Further on in the news. So the war in Ukraine doesn't seem to have much more legs left in it but for some reason it just keeps kicking on and on now i guess zelensky has some kind of inside information about what putin is planning to do in the theater of war i don't know how it is that zelensky has this kind of information President Zelensky now warning that Russia may be planning an attack on Europe's largest nuclear plant, with the head of Ukrainian military intelligence telling New Statesman magazine that a plan to stage, quote, a terrorist attack on the Zaporizhia plant is, quote, fully worked out and approved, just awaiting the final order to blow it up, something Russia denies. So, how, how does he know that this plan has been fully worked out and approved? 
It sounds like he's the orchestrator of the plan. I mean, that's the only way that he could know that this plan has been fully worked out and approved. President Zelensky is sounding the alarm about Russia taking steps to potentially sabotage a nuclear facility in Ukraine. Could Russia do that? They could, Michael. They they have the uh, the means. They may not have the motive yet. So they certainly have the. They may not have the motive They've yet. Hold on, hold on. They have the means, but they may not have the motive yet. All right. This kind of sound like another Nord Stream. They could, Michael. They they have the uh, the means. They may not have the motive yet. So they certainly have the engineering capability. They've held this power plant for a long time. What they may be doing is wiring the plant to create a nuclear incident, and it would be something that Putin would keep in his pocket if there was some sort of oh, catastrophic Ukrainian uh, breakthrough in the front lines. Perhaps he could blow up this power plant. But interestingly, if you look at the prevailing winds, if the Russians did that, uh -huh. most of the year they blow either towards the east or towards the south. Which so that fallout would theoretically come right back onto Russian troops and potentially Crimea. Okay, so tell me again why he would do this, because it sounds like it would not be advantageous for him to do this at all. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we can all come to the conclusion that war is usually about money. That's, that's the end goal in, in every war, money. Um, not a lot of people seem to be talking about the fact that the whole Biden-Ukraine connection and the fact that Biden being in power at the moment and the amount of money that Biden has pumped into Ukraine and there just don't seem to be very much conversation on the connections between Biden and the Ukraine, you know what I mean? And I think it's, it's reasonable for the people to want to know what kind of connections Biden has with the Ukraine. Because there's money to be made. There's a lot of money going to the Ukraine. There's been over, man, I don't know, something like $400 billion or more that have gone to the Ukraine since the war has started. Maybe closer to $800 billion. Billions of dollars have already been pledged to supply and train Ukraine's military. But attention is now turning to Ukraine's reconstruction. <laughs> The British are hosting a Ukraine recovery conference in London this week. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrived on Tuesday. Over 60 countries will be represented. President Biden said from the outset of Russia's aggression against Ukraine that we would stand with Ukraine for as long as it takes in both of our countries. For as long as it takes and as much money as it costs the U.S. taxpayers, that's not of any consequence. We're going to stay for as long as it takes. If we have to draw this war out for five years, we're going to do it. are deeply committed to that. Uh, we will continue to deliver on that commitment, uh, including through uh, a new robust U.S. assistance package that I'll be able to announce tomorrow. On Tuesday, the EU Commission announced another $54 billion for the next four years. How, how much money do I have to send to the Ukraine? The other day they found up $6 billion just out of thin air. They found $6 billion. And where did that $6 billion go to the Ukraine? I'm sure they could have spent that money in the United States of America and put it to very good use. They just can't, This money radically, just magically appeared out of nowhere. And then they send it to the Ukraine. This includes both loans and grants. The preserve will provide, first of all, perspective for our partners in Ukraine, predictability, and
and it should also incentivize other donors to step up too. The World Bank says Ukraine will need 400 billion to rebuild, the same as Germany after World War II. So they've already sent at least 400 billion, and now they're going to need 400 billion more to rebuild. A huge task that will need efficient coordination and private sector investment. And that will require reassurance about Kiev's commitment to reform and fight corruption. Oh boy. And there you have it, people. I think that's where we'll end um, the Critical Thought podcast for today. That was episode one. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope um, it was insightful and informative. Uh, Tune in again next week for episode number two. Yo, when you said critical thought, critical thought, critical mind, think to yourself in critical times, M5M trying to watch your mind. And you know they line, critical thought, critical mind, think to yourself in critical times, M5M trying to watch your mind. And you know they line.